There is an old story about, um, I think it was Rabbi Hillel, trying to explain his rabbinic Jewish tradition to someone who was very skeptical about that tradition. And he had to do it while he was standing on one foot. And he said, what is hateful to you, do not do to others. All the rest is commentary. Now go and study. That's kind of how I feel about today's drama and my message. I'm just providing a little bit of commentary. This message series, Wise Hearts, Learning Through Love's Struggles, is inspired by one of my favorite quotes by Ernest Hemingway. He said, the world breaks everyone. And afterward, many are stronger at the broken places. None of us asks to be broken or to have our hearts broken. But what we also know at the same time is that only an open heart can be broken. Grief is the necessary toll that we must pay if we are to love and be loved in this life. The good news, although the easy, not the easy news, is that only as open hearts can break, only open hearts can heal. And that healing can make us stronger, more wise, more loving, more generous than we were before. For many of us, and we heard the voice of that this morning in the drama, the greatest brokenness that many of us will ever experience comes when someone we love dies. And when that happens, the first thing that I think of is Charlie Brown. Not Charlie Brown with his depressive streak. Sometimes I want to tell Charlie Brown, expect just a little bit more joy than you're going to get out of life. And not the spirit in which he said these words in an exasperated fashion. Good grief. Good grief is what we are called to practice if we will find our way back into life after our hearts have been broken. Wise hearts that experience good grief know fundamentally two things that we heard in today's drama. Gratitude and compassion. The good grief of a wise heart knows that there is a gratitude between you and the one that you love who has left this life that can never be severed. And a wise heart also knows compassion as well. That takes us beyond just the person we miss and the person we love and brings us back into the life of all life. When someone we love dies... We all know this. Life does not go on as normal, even if other people expect that it will. Time changes. We are changed. I love religious traditions that have mourning rituals. Some of you know the Jewish tradition. It's now a case that you just sort of tear a little strip of cloth, a black band that is torn and shows you are grieving. Well, originally, that came from the fact that people would wear torn clothes for weeks To show everyone the outward sign of their grieving, that life was not normal. C.S. Lewis, in his beautiful book, A Grief Observed, recognizes after about four days when he looks in the mirror by happenstance, by chance, that he has not shaved. And he recognizes that he doesn't care that he has not shaved. Because what he knows, what we all know, is that grief is inefficient. But grief and mourning are productive. 
productive in that if we can accept the inefficiency of grief that is harder to get things done our grief can produce in us greater spirits wiser hearts deeper love but we cannot trust the inefficiency of grief that sometimes we must wander through our mourning not like we are holding a passport and we get it stamped as we go through countries and make progress no but instead that sometimes we just have to wander through our own broken hearts if we can't trust that then we will know not good grief, but unhealthy grief, which is kind of like an artery that gets gummed up with plaque. It cannot carry the life and the love and the blood to which and to where it wants to flow. So if you find this day, if you heard in our drama's words, or you're just thinking right now of your own beloved departed, and if you're feeling gummed up, if you're feeling that the plaque is building up in your heart and the love and the gratitude is difficult. Well, here's just one thing that might help you get the blood flowing and the gratitude flowing a little bit more. It's taken from last week's message, but I wanted to include it again because I know a lot of you weren't here. Can you show that slide, please? It's a little fill in the blank for you. Because of you, I can. Because of you, I am. Because of you, whoever the you is that you're thinking of right now, because of you, I can fly fish. Because of you, I am more loving. Because of you, I have the experience of knowing what it is like to be beloved on this earth. Because of you, I have a life to begin with. Fill in the blank in your own particular way if you find that you are having a struggle with being thankful towards the people you love who have died. There's a story from an upcoming book that I'm going to publish. It's, the book itself is about people in our spiritual tradition who have experienced spiritual growth through 12-step work. And there's a colleague of mine who writes in this book. I already have her essay. She's the adult child of an alcoholic. And she is resentful in the story that she tells, deeply resentful because she thought she would be right on top of the list. She's resentful that she never got an amends made to her by her father, who was an alcoholic throughout most of his life, right up till just about the last decade. And as a dutiful daughter, she goes to see him, arrives just at the time that he is dying. And afterwards, she heads back to her childhood home and goes into her father's study and feels, although she knows beneath the surface, it's not the reality, she feels numb. She's not quite sure where to put the anger and the love and all the things that she's feeling. And she sits in the study chair that her father has sat in for all of her life. And then she notices right in the middle of his desk a stack of oddly shaped papers and a piece of long felt. She thinks to herself, I've seen this before. I don't know what it is. And she picks it up and she puts her finger through a buttonhole at the end of this long string. And she says, this is not just a string. This is the tale of my childhood Eeyore that is still sitting at her home 
next to her adult bed. Under the tail was a note that her father left for her. Pumpkin pie, know that I miss you and I love you and very proud of you. I will always be with you. Love, Pop. And she goes on to describe it. That stack was every note or every card that I ever sent him. Crayon letters scrawled with misspellings, drawings of the two of us, even a simple note, thanks for the car, we'll call if we're late, should be back by midnight, don't worry about me, I'm the designated driver, love TK. Birthday cards. There was my life in chronological order. He was present, waiting to capture everything that I had sent him along the way. In that moment, in her dad's study, there was good grief. There was forgiveness and an unbroken connection and gratitude, real thanksgiving for her dad's very imperfect but still beloved life. Her dad's life was a gift that she could still receive even after he had died. Reminds me of perhaps my favorite poem. It's called Late Fragment by Raymond Carver. Raymond Carver lived a rough life and experienced the very end some real sobriety and some real peace. And the fragment I remember from this late fragment is called Even So. He's having an internal dialogue with himself. The poet asks, and did you get what you wanted from this life even so? He asks, did you get what you wanted from this life even so? And he answers, yes. And what did you get? To call myself beloved. To know myself beloved upon this earth. That is gratitude. Wise hearts, all of our wise hearts, when we have the capacity to remember that even so, that grace note, it doesn't negate the sorrow, it doesn't overcome the pain, it doesn't fill the hole in our hearts of the person we loved, that hole will always be there. All we can do is build around it, not over it. Build around it a structure of gratitude and thanksgiving. What also builds around that whole is not just gratitude, but compassion. Because compassion learns to extend the gifts of a wise heart beyond itself and back into life. Some of you have seen the absolutely extraordinary Karen Armstrong interview with Bill Moyers just in the last couple days. Karen Armstrong is a scholar of world religion. She's also someone who has gone from belief, a very orthodox form, to disbelief into a much more mature form and understanding of religious and spiritual belief. She's talking with Bill Moyers at this point about what she calls the science of compassion. And she's not saying it's science like physics or chemistry, but science in the same way that the Latin word science meant knowledge. She says there is a knowledge that can only come about by compassion, feeling with the other person, putting yourself in the position of the other person. It's a form, she says, of what the Greeks called ecstasis, what we call ecstasy. It's not the common understanding of what we call ecstasy. It doesn't mean you go into a trance. Or it doesn't mean you have a vision of far, far away or long, long ago. Ecstasis means this. 
It means you can stand outside of yourself. And she concludes, it is self narrowly construed as ego that holds us back from what we call God. Grief can be our greatest teacher in the way of compassion if we can recognize that through our sorrow we can be joined with all of life everywhere. We can experience the liberation of moving beyond the belief that we are the center of the world, apart and alone, into the truly good news that we are at our core related to the world, being a part of, not apart from, and we are always connected to other lives. We are able to move from the hell of the loneliness of narcissism, sometimes even spiritual narcissism, to the freedom of spiritual relationship. There's a very, very old story about a woman who has just lost her daughter. And she approaches the Buddha one day, who is known not just as a wise teacher, but also a miracle worker. And she approaches the Buddha with her broken heart and with her grief and says, please, please, my daughter is so important to me. You must bring her back to me. And the Buddha says, I will grant your wish with one condition. The condition is this is that within the next year you must go into all the houses in this village and in all the villages all throughout the countryside and you must bring me one grain of rice from one household that doesn't know what it is to have a broken heart to grief and loss. And she continues with hope in her heart out into the countryside and into the villages. But month after month after month passes and she goes into each house and she says, do you not know loss? Do you not know heartbreak? Do you not know grief? If you do, please give me the grain of rice. But she does not get the answer that will give her the grain of rice. And eventually her hopes wind down. Her heart seems even more broken. And in that last month as that year is to end. She finds herself in a very, very, very far out village at the end of a lonely street. And she enters into the most back room of this small house. She sees a father weeping next to the body of his son. And this time she does not even ask. She does not need to. She knows the answer. There is no grain of rice to be found here. And she cannot ask him. Because she knows. And so asking nothing, she does what she can. She sits down beside him. She embraces him. She knows what it is like to feel this kind of pain. And the two, when sharing their pain are comforted by each other. The year is up, and she returns to the Buddha without the grain of rice. But she has completely changed. She has taken into her heart the wisdom that she is not alone. Her wounded heart has become a wise heart, a heart able to abide and to stay and to sit and to witness and to love. It's the truth of what comes from the book Ecclesiastes and the scripture. The heart of the wise 
begins in the house of mourning. Good grief's gratitude and its compassion teach us one more thing. Kind of third and ultimate dimension of a wise heart. It's where all true spirituality comes from. From my mentor, Forrest Church, she says religion is simply this. It is our response to the dual reality of being alive and having to die. What he's saying is this. In good grief, in healthy grief, we touch the essential things. And we can respond once again fully to the fullness of life that gave us our loved ones in the first place. They were a gift that we had to hold with open hands because they are not ours to keep. And after a while, we had to offer them back. We can hear this wisdom, the compassion and the gratitude. This quote from Oscar Wilde. He said, whoever of us, whoever of any of us can look upon the loveliness of the world and share its sorrow. And realize something of the wonder of both is in immediate contact with divine things. And as God as near to God's secret as anyone ever can. Gratitude for the loveliness. Compassion for the sorrow. And wisdom that comes from knowing that secret. Which we all know is not a secret at all. It is right there. It is here with us. The wisdom is as close to you as your breath, as real as the tears on your cheeks, as painful to you as the parting is, and as joyful to you as your love is. Instead of being written in the stars and thinking we would seek it elsewhere, your wisdom and your wise hearts, they are written right at the core of your very being. They are found In your broken hearts, they are found in your healed hearts. They are found in your grateful hearts. And they are found in your compassionate hearts. May all of you, through this, have a wise heart. Amen. May you live in blessing. Let's pray together. O source of greater life, of life beyond the narrow and the shut down. O call to healing when our hearts are broken. Right now, let's just hold in our hearts all those we love who aren't here with us right now. Let us feel their presence. Be blessed by their love. Forgive them their imperfections and be grateful that our life and their life share time on this earth. May we know what it is like to say with the poet, even so. Even so, in spite of everything, in spite of heartbreak, in spite of, and even so. This gift of love has been offered us. It has shaped us. It has formed us. It has made us who we are. May we know that blessing to the very depths of our lives.
and for all the days that we will be on this earth. Amen.